Snow's Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. I'm here with Maria, and we have so many great stories to get into this week. So, Ray, you want to get started with story of the week? Yeah, so our first story is about Jamie Lynn Spears. She is the sister of pop culture icon Britney Spears. She has been on this show called I'm a Celebrity, which is a British survival show. It's I feel like Jamie Lynn's always on these super bizarre shows. I don't know, but I guess people want her because of her name and who she is and everything. But on the show, she was kind of talking about her family life and everything, and then with her, her camp mates, it said so... She was getting into a conversation about her family life and told this really scary story about an incident that happened with her oldest daughter where she was on a side-by-side and got trapped under under the side-by-side in water. It was in they their she it was in the a pond at their at their house that they frequently used this side-by-side boat. Yeah, so it was this pond she gets trapped in this pond and they were freaking out. They couldn't get her out from underneath and they had believed that she had died and her so much so that her mother-in-law even called her mother and said they had lost the child who was eight or nine years old. Think of how scary that is. That's how old Lulu is. And then it turns out that a fireman was able to resuscitate her and get her pulse back. She went to the hospital and she is okay today. So th- I have a couple questions. They said that she was trapped underneath of a safety net. And I- I'm not really familiar with boats. So when I looked up a safety net of a side-by-side, it just looks like it's something that goes around the edge of the boat to prevent kids from falling into the water. So I'm not sure why there was a net underneath of the boat that the girl was able to get stuck in. But like you said, she said she was pulling at her arm and was not able to get her out of the water and luckily the mother-in-law had called 911 so when first responders came they really were giving her CPR right away and they said that when she was she was declared dead when they went there they said that she was in cardiac arrest and she had no pulse so they were able to bring her back um i thought a, a funny part of the story was that Jamie Lynn said that she was incubated and she probably meant that she was intubated because <laughs> you wouldn't put, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even have an incubator in that situation. But aside from that, what happens when it, it's actually, it's actually crazy because we hear about a kid drowning and we always hear about the deaths that occur. And there are a lot of deaths of uh, worldwide. There's about 360,000 drowning deaths a year. And in the United States, there's about 5,400 of them. But most of the accidents that occur with drowning actually are people who who survive, which is kind of shocking to hear, right? And what happens is when you go in the water and you, you realize that you're in a situation, the first thing that you do is you start freaking out and panicking. And when you do that, it increases your respiratory rate. And then that means that you're just sucking in more water, basically. When you suck in all that water, you can't get any oxygen to your heart, to your organs, and to your brain. And you eventually can become unconscious and die because of that. And in this situation, luckily, 
when the first responders came, they were able to pump her heart for her to do CPR and get oxygen to her organs enough to medevac her to the hospital. And uh, Jamie Lynn was saying that when she got to the hospital, the priest was giving her 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 final like last rites or whatever. And she she sprung out of bed and was got better each day until she was released. It's just it really is. It, it really is a miracle that that the kid's alive, to be honest. Yeah. So my question, I guess, is was she riding this side by side alone or was she with a parent and it tipped over? Because these are extremely heavy vehicles. You know, they're like we have them up the mountains. They're they're really strong vehicles. They go really fast. It's definitely no place for a kid, even though I feel like people have this misconception that children can drive golf carts and other smaller. Wait, vehicles so this around. is what happened. The thing tipped over. They were I, 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 I'm just like really confused by the story because I thought that that they were on the boat and the kids somehow got under the boat. But you're saying it. No. So it's not a boat. It's like a go kart type of thing. You drive around a side by side. Yeah, but it's a boat. They were in the pond. They, there's water ones. That's what I'm saying. Like they're different ones for water. Oh, so got it. Got it. Got that's it. why I, was- I thought they were driving the go kart around the pond and then it tipped over into the pond and she got trapped in the pond I, under the I, I'm not re- I, I'm not really sure there are side by side boats it seems that have big kind of inflatable things under them but if it did if it did tip over and then she was caught that would make perfect sense that she was caught underneath of the safety net of it they they don't really they're not really clear as to as to how this happened <laughs> but it, it's when I read it, the story this week, I thought, oh, we, we need to talk about that because that's that's really crazy that that happened, you know? Yeah. And it's it's sad that, you know, it's sad that this happened. Thank goodness that the girl ended up being OK. I mean, this was a couple of years ago and she said she's had no long term side effects from it or anything. So it's kind of it's I find it wild with how much this family's in the press that this wasn't seemingly in the press before. Or if yeah, it was, like it not at all, not even deal. a little bit. I think that's why I'm so shocked because I'm like, I never heard this before. But yeah, you can have long term pulmonary issues from this, uh, neurological issues. And she they say she's fine. I mean, who knows? We could be the judge of that if we ever get to see her talk or whatever. But yeah, I yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move into our celebrity section with our first story being about Stephen Colbert. It seems that after their Thanksgiving break, they were supposed to return to the late night show this week to continue doing their shows. And they put the show on pause because his appendix ruptured and he had to undergo surgery. Okay, so he put out a quote that said, I'm sure you're thinking turkey overeating or gravy boat capsize. Actually, I'm recovering from surgery from a ruptured appendix. But I'm here to tell you that it could be related to eating too much turkey. So let me tell you why I think that. So let's first talk about the anatomy of the appendix. It's we in pathology describe it as vermiform because it is it looks like a worm. And it really is about the size of your pinky finger. And it's just like this little thing that hangs off of a part of your large bowel that's called the cecum, which is where your small intestine and your large intestine meet. And it's its anatomic structure is not a hundred or function is not a hundred percent known. Back in the day, they just used to think it was nothing and they would cut it off and that's it. Um, many of us know people that have had their appendix removed and obviously they're still alive, so you don't need it to live. So there's just always been this question like, well, why do we have it if we don't need it? And it turns out that we do need it. It does provide some immune function. 
So it, it's not something you just want to totally throw in the trash. You only want to remove it if you really if you really need to. But it's also an anatom- what I like to call like an anatomical poor design. We have a couple of these things in our bodies. This is one of them. It's so imagine your pinky finger had a hole going through it that didn't go all the way out. So it, there was like a straw going through it, but it was blocked off at the end. This little thing is hanging off this pouch of your large bell. So what happens is when you eat and your food starts turning into poop and it goes into your large bowel, the poop gets stuck in this hole. It happens It happens to everyone. It has to because it's an opening that it, poop could seep into, right? But the poop can stay there and it can accumulate and cause, cause something called a fecal lift, which is a, a poop rock, <laughs> basically. And that can cause like chronic irritation to the inside of the appendix to the point where infection can occur because there's lots of bacteria in the poop too. And usually when people have that happen, they feel a tremendous amount of pain and they go to the hospital. But sometimes people ignore the pain. Sometimes people, it just happens really fast. But what could happen is that the appendix could rupture or it could burst. And now all that poop that's inside your colon is now going inside of your sterile abdominal cavity, which can get into your blood and your organs and cause sepsis and can kill you really. And so even though you don't need your appendix to live, your appendix can be the cause of your death, which is kind of weird. But the reason that I want to tell Stephen Colbert that, yeah, it could be from Thanksgiving is because I don't know about you, but normally I never eat that amount of food in one day, except really on Thanksgiving, right? (laughs) So it, it it's likely that just eating a large volume of food that you're not used to could have could have been the final thing that pushed that that poop rock through. <laughs> I mean, I definitely ate at least three si- times the portion of my normal dinner, and then I had two pieces of pie, and then I had coffee, and then an hour later I had more pie. Yeah, exactly. That's so. I I think that you could agree. Like, I didn't sleep well that night. Gabe didn't sleep well that night. It's just, it kind of is a little bit of a different thing that you're doing to your body. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the cause of it. No, absolutely. So on to Linda Evangelista. We love some of her quotes over here. Mother knows death. Her her, her first notable quote was, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day, which that was in the 90s she said that, right? I know. And I I think I actually think about that all the time because I'm just like, damn, that's that's still like a lot of money for regular people today. So imagine how she was. I know it. But let's get st- so the this the quote that she has this week, there there's a reason that we're talking about this because back a couple months ago, we we had talked about when when Linda Evangelista came out, there was like this big people magazine article because she had been like in hiding apparently for five years because she had a botched surgical procedure. And so, Ray, tell them about what what she said this week. Okay, so just a quick overview. In 2016, she had a coal sculpting procedure. It ended up being botched. In 2021, she sued the company that was promoting the, I guess, the technology used for it. And then it's relevant this week because... She was talking about how she hasn't dated since before the cool sculpting incident. And the quote that most people are pulling from this, which is incredible, is I don't want to hear somebody breathing, <laughs> which is why she doesn't want it's to so, date anyone it's anymore. It's so great. It's, she is the master of amazing 
unrelatable but super relatable. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, first of all, like I wish I could say I don't get out of bed for ten thousand dollars, but like that's not reality. But yeah, the breathing thing is it's it's kind of hilarious. But let's talk about cool sculpting for people that don't know about this. So it's a great alternative to liposuction because with liposuction, you actually have to enter the body and then there's risks associated with that surgery. There's a lot more downtime. And with cool sculpting, it could be done in a physician's office. And the technology is, is that they realize that fat cells can freeze really fast, whereas that freezing doesn't affect skin, nerves, blood vessels, which are also present in the skin. So they thought, hey, if we're able to freeze the fat and and make it lice or go away, then we have ourselves like a procedure to help people get rid of like small patches of cellulite that they don't want. So she had it and cellulite and fat, really. So I'm trying to see if where she she had it done on her, like her chin or butt, like all different areas on her body. Right. And what happens is instead of like looking in the mirror and being like, damn, I look good after having this this procedure done. Instead, she started noticing she had these big like fat globules in these areas. And when she went back to the doctor, she was diagnosed with something called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia. So let's bring break down that. Paradoxical means that whatever treatment you had is kind of having the opposite effect. So instead of lysing all of the blood cells and making them go away, it actually is making them bigger. With That's what paradoxical means. Adipose is, is another word for fat cells. And hyperplasia just means that there are more fat cells. And this is what she was experiencing. And it is a known side effect. Everybody knows about it before they get the procedure done. Of course, nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. And it doesn't happen to most people, but it happened to her. And the reason that it really sucks is because you, you sometimes you can't get rid of it. Like, you can't exercise, diet, nothing to get rid of it. And then oftentimes you can get liposuction sometimes to get rid of it, which Linda Evangelista did actually. And then it came back. So she sued the company because she thinks that she's permanently deformed. Although, it, was she 50? She, she I, I'm not totally I, sure. I forget age, how old she is. Probably around 50. Oh, she's 58, it says. So she's 58 and she looks better than like any 58 year old I've ever seen. Obviously, I don't see her naked and stuff, but she's saying, I mean, she's a model for a living. So she's saying it affects her career. And, and, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not like a huge fan of suing for something that has known complications, but if it was because the technology wasn't used properly or something, or there was neglect in some way, then, then I could see that. Yeah. I mean, she's still incredibly gorgeous. Another thing she, they touched on in this article was that she said she doesn't look in the mirror anymore really since because she and I understand she could still be the world's most beautiful woman and be uncomfortable in her own body so it's kind of to each their own but she was saying how she doesn't really look in the mirror anymore and another quote I found awesome was she said but life is better without mirrors (laughs) wow (laughs) so she could also just be having like Imagine being younger and being the hottest thing in the world. And then you're just like every single person. I, I mean, I'm 44 and every single time I look in the mirror, I'm just like, oh, God, it's happening. It's happening. You know, like, ev- oh, my God, you're being so ridiculous. It's like sh- she is still one of the most stunning people ever, 
even though she's getting older and even but, if she but had this botched It doesn't thing. matter, though. And so when, are you. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, though, is that you're young and you don't understand. But when you get older, you start seeing it. And that could just be that could just be a thing that would have happened to her regardless. So people think you're younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I might be. We might have switched each other. All right. Let's get into freak accidents. This story is, I always, and not always, I occasionally see a story like this and I think it's so crazy. So there's this chain of salad places called Chopped. We actually ordered lunch from one one time that and, opened and near us. And it sucked. Yeah, yeah we, we weren't, we weren't a fan, fans. so whatever. Like uh, Now well, I would never eat it after this, but. Now, yeah, exactly. Now I'm happy that we didn't continue our lunches there. So this woman claims she was eating a salad and bit into part of a severed finger which I can't imagine what that looks like, what the finger looked like or anything. But after an investigation, it showed that the manager of the store was prepping arugula, cutting it. I probably said that weird. Sorry. And um, arugula? Arugula. I I don't. (laughs) I I either say arugula or arugula. I don't know. I I definitely don't say it correct. Anyway, (laughs) he was cutting that type of lettuce and he cut part of his finger off, and even though he went to the emergency room for it, the contaminated lettuce was still served to customers and landed on the lap of this woman. So I think personally, if 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 this manager, I think it was a female actually, was cutting was cutting arugula arugula, um, I think that if if she went to the emergency room, it was probably a significant a significant cut. And a significant chunk yeah. fell off, even if it was I mean, a little I tiny. I have cut the tip of my finger really bad at work a couple of times. Yeah, but I mean, it could have been pretty significant. You you don't know, right? But yeah, th- then it then they just continued to serve this. So she went to the hospital. Clearly, didn't bring the tip of her finger that she cut off, which is understandable because you're in shock, you're bleeding a lot, and. They served it and then some woman is just like eating a salad at lunch and you chew into something and pull it out and figure out. I mean, listen, there's been many times like even the other day I was eating a popsicle and I bit into it and there was a piece of popsicle stick in a part where there shouldn't have been the stick. And I was like, for a second, I pull it out of my mouth and I'm like, what the hell is that? Because I chewed into (laughs) it and it like hurt my tooth. Right. This happens from time to time. It's like this is what happens with food. But like. This woman chewed into something that felt chewy and it was enough that she was able to pull it out and identify it as being human. Because wouldn't you just be like, oh, it's a piece of chicken. Like, let me throw it out. It got into my salad. Right. Like she pulled it out and knew that it was a human fingertip and put two and two together with this story. Right. Well, I want to give a a short, brief breakdown of some other people that have found severed parts in their food as well. So 2016, a pregnant woman also found a portion of a finger in her salad at Applebee's. They're all like salads for some reason. And all at shitty places. (laughs) Yeah, all chains. In 2012, a teenager took a bite of his Arby's roast beef sandwich and found a finger, including the knuckle. It was like a full finger (laughs) sandwich. How... You would you think at first this was a Halloween prop or something? Well, would you like, I, go you know, there mentally? Th- my first thought is is that unfortunately that I don't trust anything that I hear because I think that a lot of times people are just trying to get views on TikTok or something, right? But this story is legit real. Like the Westchester County Health Department actually fined the restaurant only nine hundred dollars for some reason, but th- this is legit. This happened, and this woman is saying she's suing, obviously, which. 
I, I feel like this is kind of valid. Not It's not because you would... It's a warranted lawsuit, but read... Do you have the reasons in yeah, which it, the injuries she that, suffered listed? It says she suffered shock, panic attacks, migraine, cognitive impairment, di- nausea, dizzy- dizziness, neck and shoulder pain. That all is mental stuff. And I under I, I understand that. Like, in, in theory, if you if, if this woman had like HIV or hepatitis C and she chewed into it, there would be a, a, a possibility that she would be exposed to a transmissible virus. Um I'm not really sure that there would be any like real bacteria there besides just like normal stuff that's on your skin. I mean, that's always that's always, I guess, a, a, an option. But I think that it's she's just I mean, really, just think about that. It's it's just really gross. It's it just is. And it and it's probably giving her like major like PTSD stuff, honestly. Yeah, I just want to list the, the three last notable discoveries i have 2010 a woman also found a severed finger in her salad at ihop i don't know who's getting a salad at ihop (laughs) 2005 a man found a severed finger in a pint of ice cream and then most notably for all our pop culture fans in a 1994 episode of friends phoebe buffet found a severed finger in a can of soda and was awarded seven thousand (laughs) dollars so That is one of my favorite episodes. It's so ridiculous, and it's even funnier that it comes back full circle with all of these yeah, cases. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I just think that it, it's just, I, I mean, this lady's going to have to go to therapy and shit for this. This is like, this is on another level, and I, I can't even imagine wanting to eat and stuff. It's the whole, the whole way that it went down is just. Bleh. <laughs> I can't imagine eating food anybody made me ever again after this. All right. So this next story, I want to give you like a little bit of a this is crazy because this I just heard something like this, which it's such an obscure story. And believe it or not, you just heard something. Yes. I was just talking. I just told Gabe about this like a couple weeks ago. So I live in a historic little town and we have we have a historic meeting like every year. And every time we go, it's like the people there like talk about Oh, my house is this, and and we redid this in our house, and this is what we found in our house, right? So I went a couple weeks ago, and at the meeting, one of the women there was saying that when she bought her house, the back room of of the kitchen was like a squishy floor, she called it, and she said, she's an older woman now, her kids are grown, but she said her kids thought it was awesome, so they would like jump across this floor because it was squishy, Right? So when they finally, she finally was like, you know what? Let me not let the kids on there because I don't know why this floor feels so weird. And when they finally started flipping the house and doing the repairs on the house, they lifted it up and they discovered that there was a well shaft underneath of it that went down tens, 10 or 15 feet or something crazy. And she, she was like, oh my God, if that floor broke... It would have, it would have like killed one of my kids if they fell into that hole. Actually, I think it was deeper than that. I think it was like twenty feet or so. I don't really know. I I just think that it was outrageous. And then she had to call the the city and the state, and they like were like, "You can't stay here right now." And they came and they filled it in. But um, so now this story that we're talking about right now is is the same exact thing. This this woman lived in a house from the nineteen twenties, and her mom was there to help her pack up to move out of it. It doesn't really say why she was moving, but the mom fell through like a rotted part of the floor into 
a well shaft that was 50 feet deep underneath and she died. Yeah, so when she she fell through the floor in the kitchen and the daughter at first went into the crawl space underneath the house to look for her and could not find her anywhere. So they had firemen come and they couldn't find her for a while. And finally, they discovered she had fallen into this like secret well underneath the house. And it took them four hours to get her body out. So she died as a result. freaking deep. No, I know. That's... I just can't even imagine this scene, and it is so nuts to me that you have a similar story. So yeah, that that happened because- in my town, and she when when this woman called the the I think she called um like the county or whatever. They didn't believe her, and she was like, "No, she she said she kept sticking like I think she said she had a, a lar- like a broom, and she stuck it, and it just kept going and going, and she wasn't hitting the bottom. There was water in it still. It was crazy, and and then. That made me think, like, are there other houses in this town that have that? Does my house, does are. my house have that? Like, you don't, you know what I mean? It's it's just nuts. Everybody needs to check their wells and see what's <laughs> going on. It's just, it's just so nuts. I just thought, I just sent the story to Gabe and I was like, dude, I just told you about this the other day. Like how, you know, I always like to <laughs> share stories with him because he's a fireman. And I'm like, this is something you totally could get called on. It's just so rando. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's safe to say if you have, quote, unquote, squishy floors, you should probably be avoiding the area. But this was probably back in, like, the, the late 60s or 70s, you know? So it's just, like, yeah. life was just different back then. But, yeah. No, totally. So I want to talk about our new horse, Gunner, this new story going on. Not our new horse. I don't know why I said that. But, anyway, this this canopy of a horse-drawn carriage in New York collapsed. The driver was trying to fix it, and the horse got extremely agitated. The horse named Gunner, 15 years old, and he started dragging the driver down New York City Street, crashing into four cars before slipping on the ground, I guess, and then undercover cops were able to help get him under control and get him back to a stable he needed to be at. Luckily, he, he, talking about the horse, only needed a couple sutures on his leg, and the guy that was was the... I don't know what you call that guy. The guy that drove the, the carriage. The, dri- the driver. Are they really called drivers, though? They're not really drivers. I don't know. Whatever. Really anyway, know. he w- he had some broken ribs, which sucks, right? But luckily, no one was killed. Like, the horse, the, dr- the driver, or innocent pedestrians on the street. And I I think, like, obviously, I always say, like, I'm not, like, a huge animal rights person or anything but their argument is can be understood that horses are are animals that are typically preyed on so they have this like natural instinct that if they get scared they like bolt you know and and yeah. like when you're in the middle of like midtown traffic with all of those people in New York and all those cars and everything else that's going on it, there's bound to be something like really bad that can happen from that and I, I get that the carriage and the horse gives, like, an old-time feel. I'm even, like, I just went on one in Charleston um, a couple months ago. But the whole time, me and Gabe, like, we felt kind of bad. And <laughs> we are like, I don't like, I don't really like this. This isn't cool for the horse. It, it, it just was, like, it just was weird. And, and, and we kept saying, like, what if this horse just bolts right now when we're, like, on this thing? Like, <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's a little scary. So, yeah, I kind of agree that. I just wish there was another way they can do something like that, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, people really aren't into it. I don't even understand the logistics of how it works, and there's not so many injuries in New York City. Have you ever driven there? It's horrible. Yeah, it really <laughs> Especially in Philly, too. I can't believe, especially the area in which they operate in Philly in the old city area is absolutely the most hectic traffic area in, yeah, in, in the Yeah, but that, city, remember so. when we, so when Maria and I were, um, well, when I was in college at Jefferson, um, and I was, and in Maria was in second grade. We lived in the city for a year when I went to school, and we lived in a portion of the city called Society Hill. So, right, like it's my favorite part of the city. It's right up the street from the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall. So it's just like super historic. And the horses used to ride by our apartment. So, like in the summer when we opened the windows, it smelled like horse shit all the time. And um, that remember we would hear them like neighing, like. <laughs> like in the middle of the night yeah. it was like so crazy so you get yeah you could hear them clobbering down the yeah, street but it didn't smell very nice yeah they just want to give the vibe of like the old uh 1776 vibe but yeah it's it's just like kind of we're, we're past that now i think yeah i mean give give the horses a better life because they're always like jammed in these horrible disgusting warehouses in the city and it's not fair let them frolic in the field <laughs> like leave gunner alone okay so onto this pilot story. Uh, in 2018, an experienced skydiver, and I'm going to mess this word up, aeronautical engineer, uh, went for a skydive in the French countryside. Seconds after he jumped from the plane, he was decapitated by the plane's wing. So now the pilot is being is being convicted of manslaughter, which we have discovered in our well, this, other manslaughter discussions due to recklessness. Yeah, this and this happened back in 2018, but I guess he just got convicted of manslaughter. Yeah. But they were saying it was because he didn't have the proper license to even be driving the plane, so which I think is weird because if the if the skydiver was experienced, that's not something that you would that you would try to well, maybe find out. it was a friend. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but I think I, I'm I more wanted to just talk about the story, just thinking about like driving out of a plane and having and even obviously the guy was was neglectful because he didn't have a pilot's license, but he knew how to fly a little bit because he had a plane up in the air. And imagine like looking out and the person that just jumped out of your plane head is and body are floating in different directions. It's just like pretty traumatizing right well it was without a valid license so that's not to say he didn't have a pilot license because i read later on that he's been banned from flying for a year uh, that, that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that yeah, that's great exactly. that makes me feel safe hopefully he's like driving my next flight <laughs> i mean come on this is ridiculous yeah i guess I they're in know. desperate need for pilots now so they'll they'll just like eh. Well, maybe he's a private, maybe, you know, I don't really understand how getting private pilot license works, but maybe he's not allowed to fly commercial flights, just independent ones. I'm not sure. Well, but- we'll probably never be on a p- private plane, so it's not not anything that we fine need. by me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Statistically, they have more problems. So. <laughs> exactly. I don't need to think about that, but all right, let's get into this um, news story about this emergency room pediatrician is putting out kind of a PSA that there's an uprise in children eating weed edibles. All right. So listen to these crazy statistics. There was a study published in the Journal of Pediatrics that found the calls to poison control centers for kids under six years old from eating cannabis-infused goodies went from 207 calls in 2017, okay, 207, to... 3,054 calls 
in 2020. And 97% of these cases were when kids discovered the edibles at their house. Yeah, so this particular case that we're talking about with this story is that this child and his family were staying in an Airbnb and the parents had gone out for the day and left the kid under the supervision of the 17-year-old brother. So when the parents get back, the kid was sleeping, but they couldn't wake him up. And they did all these tests. They thought maybe he had a stroke. Maybe he was having an issue with diabetes. And the test came back positive for THC. And the brother said that the the little brother had discovered this chocolate under the bed at the Airbnb and had consumed it. And it ended up being edible chocolate that was left there i guess by a prior guest unless the teen was trying uh, to i'm cover like maria i'm always want to like blast maria because she's just so nice and innocent and i'm like i was like the <laughs> baddest kid ever like no maria that kid that was the teenager's weed chocolate okay like <laughs> and the kid probably got into it in his backpack or something and this was like his lie that he was making up to his mom and dad because he didn't want to get in trouble yeah of course yeah. But I, I mean I think- but but listen like there has, to his defense, th- there was a, a a small toddler baby that died recently at an Airbnb in Florida because there was, wh- what was it, fentanyl or something from a party that yeah. was there before that the baby just like touched and died. So listen, I it's something as, as a parent, like I, I stay at Airbnbs all the time. I don't go through and check to make sure there's like drugs in the drawers or not. And I guess I should start doing something like that. Because I could imagine if there's like something that looks like gummy candy in the dresser drawer, like next to especially Lucia's bed, she'd be like, oh, cool, candy <laughs> and just eat yeah. it. It's so scary. But um, yeah. And, and and and, you know, everybody likes to say that, like, weed can't kill you and stuff. And it certainly can. And it could cause a lot of problems with adults, too. But this kid ate this chocolate bar was 500 milligrams of THC. And he ate about three fourths of the of the candy bar, so he probably ate close to like four hundred milligrams of THC. When you know, if you've ever taken a weed gummy or anything, it's like five to ten, right? Or I I, I feel like that's enough to like not make you totally trip your face off and like be passed. I mean, out. there is there is these gummies going around Philly, like I don't know, ten years ago, maybe before that or no, like seven to 10 years ago, that said they were 10 milligrams, but they were way more because if you ate half of one, which to a normal person would like take the edge off, make you a little high, but not crazy. If you ate half of one, you'd be like knocked on your ass, not able to move. So I'm like, these are definitely Like that just happened to some old person that we know recently. (laughs) We won't name any names. (laughs) Yeah, it happened to an old person in our life recently. Should never be doing that. Or, who, you know, who hasn't done who hasn't taken weed since like the, the 60s or 70s and all of a sudden takes like a modern day THC gummy and, and like <laughs> or like you're on or like you're going out to dinner with your husband when you first start dating and you feel like you're going to fall asleep at a Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> Accidents happen. But no, parents need to be I feel like my generation in particular is so lax with the gummies and everything. I don't personally see any issue taking them, but I think there needs to be more responsibility in keeping them away. Even though most of them taste absolutely disgusting, kids just see that they're candy and they're going to eat it anyway or not realize it tastes disgusting until it's too late. I'm not one to want to like push it on a manufacturer, but honestly, like 
if you're selling it to adults and you write that like it's a gummy or it's chocolate, the packaging does like the packaging can't look like candy. Like there, we I talked about a case. I might even have photos of it in the grocery room like years ago about a kid that did a similar thing and the parent put a picture of the of the wrapper and I was like, oh my god, any kid would think that was can't like like it's like enticing to children. Yeah, I mean, this was a big problem and a couple of years ago, I, I believe weed's legal in Massachusetts and they passed a regulation in Massachusetts a few years ago that they could no longer be shaped like gummy bears, but then they reshaped them into these like hexagons and they still look like gushers or something. It doesn't matter. Like they need to be very different looking. I understand people want to be like, oh, I could have a nerd's rope and it's weed and it's bringing back memories for me and it's my favorite candy, but... We need to figure out a balance of making them not attractive to children and parents holding the proper responsibility and hiding them and making sure their children don't even know they're in the household or where they are or can't reach them. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I don't know, like if you put them in the refrigerator or whatever, like you only have one refrigerator in your house usually. So it's, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, but if a kid takes it, it could cause them to to you the parent can't like alert them can't wake them up like happened in this case and it could cause such severe respiratory uh depression that that it could kill them i mean it's 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 this isn't a joke this isn't like haha my kid's high it it's it's a serious matter it's poison yeah abs- no definitely and the fact that that kid ate 75% of 500 <laughs> million i can't even i can't believe they're alive because the, the, the few times in my life where I feel like I've had a little much, I feel absolutely horrible. Yeah, and what, you've had, like, 20 at most? Like, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's just nuts. This episode today is brought to you by Artery, Inc. We love Artery, Inc. They are a woman-owned company, and they make really awesome gear for medical professionals. Today, Maria is wearing an anatomical heart hoodie, and we love anatomic hearts around here, and we love Artery Inc. because they do really awesome designs, and they draw everything themselves, so we just we just think that they're so great. This Christmas, I am giving everyone that loves anatomy in my life this. This is a coloring book, Show Me Your Guts, and there's tons of pictures. It's an adult coloring book, tons of pictures in here that were drawn by Artery Inc., that have, it's it's awesome. It's just like every single anatomic part that you could see, they have teeth, they have cross sections of head, they have a uterus, they have, this is my personal favorite, big penis and testicles. <laughs> um, I think that these, this coloring book is not only cool for people who like anatomy, but it's cool for people who have friends that like anatomy because I think like if you color this nice man's ass and really do it artsy and put it in a frame and give it to someone as a gift, I think it'd be a pretty unique gift for somebody that likes men's butts or just likes anatomy. So I think it's a really, I think it's a really cool coloring book, adult coloring book. I love these. I do them with my kids. Obviously, I won't do those parts with my kids, but um, yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And if you just, you know, go on Amazon or something and get some colored pencils it's a cool gift to give to somebody this season 
Yeah, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the hoodie I'm wearing now, which is the Anatomical Heart hoodie. It comes in gray. There's a cute little emblem on the side sleeve and a little design on the back too. When I was getting dressed today, there was no doubt in my mind I was wearing this hoodie. It is so comfortable. We have to turn the heat off in our house when we record, so I'm definitely really cozy right now and really thankful for it. So you could use code LOVEYOURINSIDES23 at arteryinc.com for 15% off your whole order. Thanks, Artery Inc. Okay, on to violent crimes. This sounds like an episode right out of 60 Minutes or something, so... It's a woman obsessed with true crime killed somebody to see what it, quote, felt like. Definitely really scary. So this 23-year-old female out of South Korea, she had posed as a mother on a tutoring app looking for somebody to, quote, unquote, tutor her daughter. So she had gone through 54 people before finally landing on this 26-year-old victim. She went to the house, dressed as a schoolgirl, pretended to be this young girl that needed tutoring, and then when she entered the house, she stabbed the woman to death, dismembered her body, and disposed of her body, but kept some of the parts in her home that police later discovered. Yeah, and as they investigated, they saw that she had a browsing history that showed she searched for how to kill, ways to get rid of a body leading up to the murder. Like, let's talk about the case that we wrote about in the gross room yesterday. What What is the, the woman's name is... Corey Rich. So we talked about the case of the death of Eric Richens, allegedly poisoned to death by his wife, Corey Richens. She is not formally convicted yet, but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that's not looking great for her. So a lot of a lot of the evidence they're using is a significant amount of Google searches she did, one of which being really out of touch are their luxury prisons in America, which Uh, are their luxury prisons in America for the rich. Oh, for the rich, my bad. So, like, theoretically, yes, there there is a prison in Texas where, like, Elizabeth Holmes and Jen Shaw are right now who have, who have committed federal white-collar crimes, but I don't think if you murder your husband for financial gain that you're going to be put in a nice luxury little prison down south. Well, my point of bringing this up is to say, when are people that are going to commit crimes get a clue that, like, you can see every single thing you look up, even if you delete your history on your computer. Like, it's... Well, she looked up how to wipe your phone remotely, so I don't understand what the problem was. I just don't understand what people are thinking. Like, it seems like every single case, it's like these Google searches come up of how to do this, how to do that. Like, duh, they're going to look at your phone if somebody gets murdered that's close to you or that you're you're any way connected to it. It's just, I'm like, kind of like, what is wrong with people? All right, moving on to the Giglo Beach. This 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 case is is getting crazier by the day. You want to talk about that case a little bit? Yeah. So I just wanted to give a really brief overview because this is so involved. We could honestly probably do an entire episode just about where we are at this point of the case. But this guy Rex Hewerman, he was an architect that worked in Manhattan. He lived in Manhattan. Manhattan. I don't he lived he lived 20 minutes from this place called Gogo Beach in Long Island. All these bodies were found there years ago. This has been under investigation. Police finally caught him by DNA and cell phone pings. There I'm obviously leaving out so many details of this, but it's so well, involved. Well, starting in 2010, police were looking for a missing 
woman near Long Island, Giglo Beach, and they discovered 10 sets of human remains. And that's when they started being like, wait a second, there might be a serial killer here. So that's that's how he was kind of first on the radar. And yeah, well, we're going to cover this like way more once the trial starts and once more information comes out. But the the point is, is that this guy was was killing and it's DNA evidence proved he was killing a lot of women and they were all sex workers, correct? Yeah. And one so one of the one of the pieces of evidence that they found on top of all this tons of evidence is that they found a hair from his wife on one of the victims. Now, that could totally happen just because I'm sure my husband has like five pieces of my hair and my daughter's hair on his shirt right now just because we shed all the time, so it's it's likely, but there's also a lot of people that have come out that have been survivors of this guy who have said that his wife was involved. His wife was going to like swinging and stuff with him and kind of knew that he was doing this where she's been acting like she had no idea. She's just like, I, I had no idea this was happening in my house, like right behind my, you know, whatever. So now the the craziest part of the story, which is why we're talking about it today is she hasn't visited the guy in jail the entire time. He had a court date yesterday and she shows up, like gets out of a Mercedes Benz and has a camera crew following her from Peacock because apparently she signed like a $1 million deal for a documentary about this story. So prisoners can't profit off of their crime. Convicted criminals, I guess to say, or criminals in general, can't profit off of their crimes. So Let's say she is involved. This is a way to still give him money, give her family money. The network has not confirmed the amount they have paid her and the two kids to participate in this docuseries, but it's looking like it's around a million dollars to participate in this. And the, the, the cameras have been following her to several court dates, and they've already notably been in the family's home. So this has been going on for a little bit. I'm sure this documentary will be released in the spring or summer of next year if it's getting filmed right now. Um, so I am interested to see if she, she right now has not been arrested for any crimes. I'm interested to see if she will get wrapped in at all, if that will wait to come out in trial or whatever. And there is a world in which she could have participated with him swinging and still not been a participant in the murders itself or knew they yeah, were happening. Yeah, you know what? Like... I just call bullshit. Like, I'm sorry. I, I think that when you live in a house and you're married and, like, you, there, there's just no reason you don't know there's, like, a, a sex torture dungeon in your basement and that your husband's, like, raping and killing people down there. Like, come on. I'm sorry. Like, I just. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to say because, like, obviously the dude ain't right. She doesn't seem like she she's right is either way. <laughs> well, she doesn't seem like she's right where she's playing this ignorance that's really annoying Obviously, family and the family of the victims and the law enforcement is really upset about this because they're like, you're giving a platform to these people. This guy's not convicted yet. It could possibly hurt and the also, trial. And also, why should they become rich off of that? That's that's horrible, right? Like, Exactly. It, it's, it's and just It's just not cool. It, it's it's very distasteful. And, and, and of course, I'm going to watch. <laughs> of course, I'm going to watch it because I'm really watch. curious about it. But then it's like all these people all these people are making like millions of dollars off of this and and then like what about the victims and stuff and their families i don't know it just seems kind of but distasteful but to play devil's advocate let's say she is let's say take away all the information you know let's say she is innocent 
this is on her for the rest of her life. And what if she can't get a job or she can't get work and this is the only option she sees to provide for her family for the rest of her life is to do things like this. Yeah, you're I'm, you're like I'm a not little saying too, she's you're a little too nice because I'm just like even even if she you didn't participate, play, like she 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 may not have actively participated, but like turning a blind eye to shit is is just as bad in some cases. No, it is, but you have to really look at both sides and just think about it from that perspective. All right, Ray, let's get into some medical stories. Okay, so our first story today is about a fly was seen in a man's intestines during a colonoscopy. Do you want to kind of explain how this could even happen? I I don't know how this could even happen, to be honest with you, but a 63-year-old male was having a routine colonoscopy and doctors saw a a dead fly in his colon, like intact. And they reported it in a journal because obviously, like, that's not something that you normally see. And they're not really sure how it got there because it only could get there really two ways. Like, it could get in there through your mouth or through your butt, right? And if you ate a, if you ate a fly, like an intact fly, which is totally possible because they're on food all the time and stuff, your your digestive enzymes will break that thing down in a second. So, like... It, it couldn't have came out intact that way. But like also, how would it get up his butt either? The The only thing that I'm thinking, like there's all there's all these other things too. Like this guy was getting a colonoscopy and you could see from the photo. And if you go to the article and look it up, the photo is is present and you could see that his colon is cleaned out. So when you get a colonoscopy, you take a bowel prep. And you're on a liquid diet for like a whole entire day or two, right? So he hadn't eaten any food at all except liquids. And two days prior to that, he had pizza. And he said he didn't remember a, a fly being on his food. But like you might you might not know or whatever. I just don't think that that's where it came from, from eating like that. Because how would it have gotten through his stomach intact? And how would it still be there when all the the poop was gone? He was totally cleaned out. I personally think, and and this is something that I didn't read in the article. I I know when you when you get a colonoscopy, they kind of blow air up there to dilate the bowel, so they can really get a good look at it. And they put the scope up there. Like, is there any way that 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 there was a fly in the room of the procedure, and that's how it got up there? Like, I just don't. I, I really just don't know. Like that's if if I had to guess, that's what would be my most likely guess is that it somehow got up there during during that during the procedure itself. I mean, the thing was dead, but it was it was intact. You could see the picture of it. It's it's nuts. This is really giving um, the spider crawling up the vagina story from our first episode. Yes, yeah, it is, and you can. You can ingest, you know, I always show these videos, these crazy videos of people who have maggot infestations in their body and you can, you can totally get it in your intestines as well. But this isn't a maggot. This is, this is a fly that's alive and there's no other, like you could poop out the maggots if, if they get into your body, but there's no poop around. There's nothing around. It's like a perfectly clean colon and a little innocent like fly just sitting there. So it it is it's disturbing. I I think that if someone told me that, I'd be like really freaked out about that because I would want to know how the hell it got in to prevent that from ever happening again. But yeah, all right. Well, on to astronauts and their genital <laughs> issues. 
I love talking <laughs> about astronaut genitals. Um, NASA recently did a study on rats, and it showed that due to the Earth's galactic cosmic radiation that male astronauts are exposed to long-term during space travel, that it could affect the oxygen that's getting to their penis and causing them to have erections and long-term erectile dysfunction issues. Well, did you see how they conducted the study? Because I was thinking about the poor rats storing it. So they held them in harnesses at 30-degree angles and exposed them to various levels of radiation to make this discovery. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is, this is what they do because otherwise they're going to do it on people. So, And the thing is, is that with rats, like a rat's not a human, so you're not going to get the same effect. But they, they there was another scientist that was noted in the article that's just kind of like, this is not shocking to me. Like, we know that the, that the, the effects of this radiation have on astronauts. So it's not surprising because it could, it could damage the lining or the endothelial of the vessels. And that, that would cause problems with blood flow to, to any organ, not just the penis. So it, it makes total sense. No, definitely. But let's get into our favorite category, which is other death news. This first story is really sad and it kind of ties to a story we talked about with Brooke Shields recently too. So a woman died from drinking an excessive amount of water at the hospital, but it seems like she was having a mental episode and kept drinking this water and then she wasn't being properly tended to by the staff there. They were on their phones, not paying attention, and she ended up dying. But do you want to under? Do you want to kind of explain exactly what went down with her medical, with her mental condition that led to the excessive water drinking and her death? So this happened in the UK. She's forty-five years old, and she had. They just said she had a mental health breakdown, so that could be due to a lot of things. But she was placed into a psychiatric hospital where she was being evaluated. And there's, there's a condition that can sometimes happen with people that are having psychiatric illness that's called psychogenic polydipsia. So psychogenic means that it's related to a psychological issue and polydipsia means that you have like excessive thirst and you, you, you just want to drink all the time. That's that. Polydipsia is one of the symptoms that you see in a person that has diabetes or something like that. So polydipsia and she just started drinking like insane amounts of water. And this is this is like a known thing that happens. So people that are working in this specialty should also be like uber aware of this. Um, she was drinking so much water that it dangerously lowered her sodium levels in her blood. So it like diluted the electrolytes in her blood. And she started to have brain swelling and she slipped into a coma. And when in the UK, when they did an, an inquest, it's like when they're doing an investigation to see, like, why this happened, they found out that the staff at the hospital were on their phones. And, duh, not surprised. Like, you can't even drive down the street and have maybe, like, a couple cars drive normal anymore because everybody's head is down in their lap. It's just, like, I I mean, I, I worked in the hospital with, with phones, but I worked in the lab. It just was, like, a little bit of a different story. Um but they would tell us we weren't allowed to have our phones out. But like, I was just like, I have kids in daycare. Like, I'm having my phone out if there's an emergency. Sorry. But I wasn't sitting there playing on it all day. But um, yeah, I don't work on the floor. So I don't know what the rules are. But it does it does scare you because you, you've seen people like completely go on TikTok or, or YouTube and just zone out. And, and then they're really supposed to be like 
you know, you if you zone, you can't just zone out for 20 minutes or a half hour while you're working in the hospital, you know? Yeah, for sure. So our last story is one of the wildest stories I've ever read in my life. I can't wait to explain it. So in 2020, these there was this murder that happened. Sorry, let me start over. In 1987, there were two murders, and they were under investigation. They couldn't link it up. In 2020, they finally solved the case using DNA and found that the murders were committed to this electrician, and his name was David Fuller. So... As they're looking into this guy and go in his home, they find, quote, millions of pictures and videos of him performing acts of necrophilia and sexual abuse. A ton of these pictures were taken at his place of work, which was a hospital. So he was going into the morgue. He was reading the logs to see how these patients died because he didn't want to get an infection from somebody that died of an infectious disease or COVID. And then he was having sex with dead bodies. He is said to have sex with well, 140 violations between 101 women and girls ranging from age 8 to 100. And he had been doing this from 2005 to 2020. So 15 years, he had been employed between multiple hospitals and had been raping these dead bodies, essentially. Yeah. And and I guess that the, the, the investigation with this showed that like I this was like my job for a while. So I, I obviously am like very like in tune to what happens. And we definitely in the morgue, um, especially like working in an older hospital, it was like the garbage disposal broke every single day. The ri- the refrigerator broke every single day. So I could like we definitely had people, plumbers down there all the time, electricians down there all the time because like things break in the hospital, especially if you're using them. Right. Um but I, I, I can kind of see how it happens because a lot of morgues are not attended. There's been some that I've worked at or that I've done jobs at that nobody works down there. So the only time someone's down there is if there's an autopsy. And if there's not a lot of autopsies at that hospital, sometimes there's only, you know, sometimes the person might be down there like two or three times a week. And there's just like a lot of dead time down there. You know what I mean? But um. Yeah, so that's how he that's how he had access to all of these people because he was supposed to be down there to fix the refrigerator and stuff. But thinking about him like going through the log and finding the people in the fridge and then I don't know if he took them out or if he did it in the fridge. It it's just it it's just so disturbing and it's even more disturbing. I always give a shout out to like to police and stuff and detectives that are investigating this stuff because imagine investigating a murder murders are like they're they're already disturbing and bloody and stuff but then like you find videos of a guy having sex with dead children like what the fuck no it's disgusting and one really disturbing detail for me was that he was often doing this during work hours so and then he was documenting himself doing it so they're kind of questioning the staff working at time that in 15 years nobody walked in on him committing these crimes which is really bizarre and another really weird thing is that he's he's serving life in prison for the two murders that he did plead guilty to, but he only got a 12-year additional sentence for the necrophilia. And I'm like, that's all you get for doing something that disgusting? And the families are really upset. I think it brings up a point of, do, do you even have to tell I was going to say, like, I, I don't, I like, I would... If I ever had to deal with a with a child dying as it is, like, I certainly do not want to get that phone call. Like, I seriously just don't want to get it because, like, 
I like it would it would ruin the rest of my life even more to hear something like that, to be honest with you. But I guess That's they legally have to tell you. It's just like. Because if people are dying at the hospital, that's of natural death only, correct? If their body is there for the most part. So- well, this was this was in the UK, so I don't know how things work there. In America, yes, but bodies bodies go. So let's say, for example, a kid dies in a car accident. They're going to go in, and it's at night, 10 o'clock at night. It, it, they're going to go in the refrigerator at of, of the morgue hospital and the medical examiner comes and picks the bodies up. They usually come like once a day. They'll they'll come more times a day sometimes, but they usually just come and get everybody they need to get and bring them over to the medical examiner's office. So there is a time where these bodies are in the, the refrigerator if the, if the medical examiner can't get them in a certain amount of time. So it's not necessarily a natural death. It could be an accidental death or a homicide or something like it, it could be anything. And part of the investigation showed that this guy went to the morgue 444 times in a year to do electrical work on the fridge. They think that that's outrageous. I mean, that's more than once a day, right? But I've worked at a couple different places, especially the old place I used to work at. And the plumbers were down there sometimes a couple times a day, almost every Like, it's just things break all the time. So I don't want to necessarily say that that should have raised a red flag. Plus, we were like friends with the plumbers and the electricians. So they would be like, hey, I'm on my lunch break. What's up? Hi, what's up? You know, like, I don't know if I necessarily think that that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point with bringing up the natural death at the hospital is that if any death is hard for a loved one, but especially think about watching your loved one go through some terminal illness for a period of time, and then you had that closure that they're finally in peace only to discover that this scumbag had sex with their dead body afterwards and, like, nobody was monitoring the situation. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just think it, it sounds crazy because, like, you've had a regular job and so is everybody else listening, mostly everybody else listening, but, like, there's just nobody like listen people people don't want to hang out in the morgue it smells it's it's kind of creepy most of them are in basements there's no windows like nobody really wants to go down there by themselves if they don't have to um even when i was covering all the deaths and working in the morgue all the time i i would go down there i would clean up i would set up i'd make sure but if there was a couple days in a row that there's not an autopsy there's really like not a reason to be down there if nothing's going on down there you know what i mean and it and the only yeah. people like the the morgue doors are locked with like codes, you know, like when you have to push in the buttons to get into a bathroom or something. But like the people that work in the in the hospital have that code to get in because they have to go into the refrigerator or something. So it, it's not like a regular patient could just wander down there and get in. But no, but an employee yeah. certainly could. Yeah, so this is, I feel like this is one of those stories that comes up every once in a while that's just, like, absolutely so disgusting, but hopefully we could just learn from this. They said they're planning on putting more surveillance cameras in that area and that people that are non-mortuary workers, I don't know if that's the correct term for it. Yeah, they had non-mortuary workers must be accompanied by mortuary workers. And and that makes sense, too, because there's really... There's really no reason because like, you know how I was telling you, like if, if someone, let's say someone gets shot and they have to go in the fridge and wait for the medical examiner, like 
the medical examiner is is looking at that person's body to legally, right? Let's say mm-hmm. like the electrician just went in and was like, hey, my friend got shot. Like, let me just peek in this body bag and look at him. It's kind of like you can't do that. You just can't do that because th- they could like mess with evidence and stuff. It's just like it's really and, – and this isn't to say that this can't even happen with like a mortuary worker, right? Someone that someone that works yeah. in the morgue could be do- doing something nasty too. But I guess you would less like likely – you really have to have respect for, for the patients that are that are there because they're they're even though they're dead they're like their bodies are there alone and and unattended kind of. Yeah. Okay, so on to our questions of the day. Every Friday on the at Mother Knows Death Instagram, we post a little story where you guys can ask whatever questions you want. It could be for my mom, me, both of us, whatever. So let's get into our first question, which is, have you ever had a body twitch or jolt while you were working on them? Um, yeah, I have actually. <laughs> One time uh, when I was doing my internship at the medical examiner's office, we had a, an autopsy on a baby that was, I would say, very, very little, like under under three months old, probably. And it was a co-sleeping death. So the dad had drank too much and fell asleep with the baby on his chest on the couch and the baby ended up in the crack of the couch it's like very common honestly unfortunately but um yeah the baby was there and and of course when we do the autopsy it's a rule out like shaken baby syndrome and all this other stuff trauma and when the medical examiner was was cutting the body this i was looking over and like the baby's arm was like twitching and I was so freaked out because I was just like, are we sure that this baby's really dead? Um, obviously, like the, there was a rigor mortis and liver mortis and stuff. So the baby was dead, but it was it was it really like freaked me out because I, I just was new. I was a new student and everything. And I was staring and I was just like, why is nobody saying anything about this? Um, so, yeah, it happened to me once, never on a, an adult. And that was the only time I ever saw it. Okay, next question. Which pathology is the most interesting to you? I think, um, I mean, I love all pathology, but I'm especially into congenital anomalies, like um, having a, a fused kidney or a horseshoe kidney or being born with uh, like two ureters coming out of your kidneys or anything like that. I think that the things that happen when you develop as a fetus that kind of mess up along the way are really interesting to me. Like a double uterus, things like that are my favorite. They're they're my favorite to find at autopsy because they're they're pretty rare. And then when you find it, especially if it was never mentioned in the chart, it's just like a little exciting, I guess. <laughs> I'm assuming this next question came as a result of our cannibalism episode from last week, but can the consumption of human meat affect the body like sickness or something? Like eating a finger in a chopped salad? <laughs> yes. Um, I, I would say it's the same as eating any in, like infected meat from any animal, right? Like it, it, if I don't really know how to answer this question without being completely disgusting, but let's talk about this as far as like pork or something. Like if you... If you eat infected pork, which you can, you can get a parasitic infection, which is why it's important to cook it at a certain temperature. So I think the safest thing would be would be to not eat it raw and to cook it. Um, 
humans carry disease just like any other animal. So you have HIV, hepatitis C viruses, bacteria can be on the skin. Um, so the best, and, and especially like if you get steak from the grocery store, that's that, that cow was killed days prior to you getting that. So as soon as the, the animal's dead, the decomposition, the decomposition starts right away and that could cause bacterial accumulation. It's kind of gross to think like the steak that's sitting in your fridge right now is decomposed meat, but it is. So you just want to make sure that you kill any bacteria that could be on it or anything like that. And um, the same could be said with human meat, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jeffrey Dahmer had any reported illnesses, but then again, he was stabbed in prison. So we don't have any long-term studies on that. But okay, the last question says, my father-in-law suddenly passed away from ischemic, ischemic. Is that correct? ischemic heart disease. What is that? So ischemic means that there is a lack of oxygen to the heart because you're talking about heart disease. And that most commonly occurs when a person has coronary artery disease. So your heart has two blood supplies. The first blood supply is that it takes all of the blood from your aorta and your vena cava, and it circulates it throughout your whole body. That's called the circulatory system. The other blood supply is that blood vessels come off of the aorta, and they are called the coronary arteries, and they give oxygenated blood to the heart itself. When those arteries become diseased, they can become hardened, thickened, they can close up, and there could be all sorts of other anatomical problems with them that oxygenated blood cannot get to the heart muscle and it causes a portion of the heart muscle to die, which is an ischemic injury to the heart. And that's what is known as a myocardial infarction, which is also known to everyone else in the world as a heart attack. Does, does that make sense to you, Maria? I always ask Maria if it yeah. makes sense because then it makes sense to everybody. Um, so, so yeah, it was he had probably undiagnosed coronary artery disease and it's it's especially in certain coronary arteries it it can really just cause you to drop dead sometimes um lots of times people have heart attacks and survive but there are times especially if you have a, a lot of the vessels damaged because i like to say if you have one vessel in your body that's really damaged and like you kind of want to look around the rest of your body because it, it doesn't usually just attack one vessel. It's like kind of a, a system-wide thing that maybe your carotid arteries aren't good or um, your other coronary arteries aren't good. So when you hear someone had a surgery, like a like a bypass surgery, um, that a coronary artery bypass surgery, that's because or you hear people say like, oh, my my blood vessel was 80% blocked. Like that's what they're talking about, the the one that is bringing the oxygen to the heart. And I'm sorry about your father-in-law. Okay, guys. Well, if you want to ask your question, don't forget to check our Instagram at Mother Knows Death. Every Friday we post the story. Instagram may not alert you about it, but it will be there. So definitely look out. Thank you to Artery Inc. for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you guys have a great rest of the week and weekend. See ya! Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. 
I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.